Thanks. Thanks, Burns. It's always great to have children be dedicated before God. It's exciting. You know, if, uh, if you weren't able to go to the uh, family conference, there's a website uh, you, can, you can go on to and to really uh, hear or download some of the amazing lessons and wisdoms that were passed down to us. It's called, uh, the website is Live It, the n- number two, Live It Two, the numerical number, to give it.com. Live It to give it.com. I'll have that link posted on our website. Um, I'm sorry, dot org. Live it to give it dot org, O-R-G. Um, and you can also go to um, disciplestoday.com. I think they are going to be posting a video lesson that Sam and Jerry Lang did up for, uh, uh, for us on Thursday. So disciplestoday.com and live it to give it dot org. So that's awesome. to uh, If you're un- unable to make that, that's a great way of kind of getting fed spiritually. Ta-da, the title of this morning's lesson. Uh, last, last time I was up here, I told you I was going to do a little series. I'm doing a series on some of the, some of the, really, the, some of the phrases of, of a song that I, I like. And the artist was MC Hammer. And uh, I thought he, he really penetrated our culture with some spiritual things. And, and, and in a way, you know, it's like a great song, but you, you, it made you kind of think. My first one was, my first one was, uh, my first lesson was, um, it was too legit to quit, meaning Jesus was for real, he was not going to quit, you're not to quit on Jesus, right? And then uh, his next famous song was, uh, you've got to pray, you've got to pray, now when I point at you, you say pray, you've got to pray, good, I tell the song, and the song goes, you've got to pray, pray, just to make it today. A prayer is a very important part of being a disciple of Jesus. Okay? I don't have the pants today. I wear dockers today. I want to show you a, a, a quote. You've got to pray. God doesn't mind if you have to pray with your doggy, pray with your cat, pray with your fishies, but you've got to pray. You've got to pray just to make it today. The world has so many things that's trying to destroy your faith, your marriage, your relationships with your kids, your relationship with coworkers. The world is, is a destructive force that comes into your life, and there you are standing there, and this force is coming right at you. You've got to pray. You've got to pray every day just to make it today. You know, to be a Christian without prayer is no more, no more possible than to be alive without breathing. It's a powerful quote. One of the greatest preachers in our, in our country's history was Martin Luther King. What a quote. He had a way of saying things that just were poetic and convicting. You've got to pray. You know, most people don't pray. They only beg. You know, prayer is a natural as an expression of faith. As breathing is to life. That's what it should be. And today I'm going to share a story with you about Hezekiah. Remember him? I think Joe mentioned him last, last week. Am I correct? Hezekiah was the good king. and Manasseh, That was uh, Manasseh's descendant. Or, or, or I'm sorry. Before Manasseh was Josiah. Before Manasseh, his uh, great-grandfather uh, was a man named Ahaz. And Ahaz had a son named Hezekiah. 
And so look in your Bibles in 2 Chronicles 32. Hezekiah. He was one of the spiritual kings of the, of the southern part, which was called Judah. And that's where Jerusalem was. And Hezekiah's father was a, was a king named Ahaz. Now Ahaz, before him, there were four good kings. His dad was a good, good, good king, and he had three other grandpappies that were good kings. But Ahaz did not turn out to be a good king. Ahaz decided that he knew a better way, a better way of surviving with the surrounding nations around him that were lurking to take advantage of God's people. He thought he had a better way. He said, I'm going to make high places and put those back up there so that I can be relatable when other nations come look at us, they see that we have the same gods. So he brought these high places back into, the, into God's people. And also Ahaz also would take his firstborn sons and he would burn them to the god, Molech. You know, if you go to Israel today in the Valley of Himnon, they have a lot of bones of children there because of the idolatrous sacrifices of the God's people. It's, it's, a, it's, it's almost flabbergasting to think about that someone would do that to their child. But that's what the culture of its day wanted. You know, I can sacrifice my children to the God of, God of laziness. You know, one thing I was convicted by at the family conference was uh, we've been so busy with ministry things that we've gotten away from having family devotionals. You know, a scripture on the board and talking about it in your home while you're sitting down, while you're going to sleep. We've been in the mode of, you're awesome, go to bed. please go to bed right now because we're tired. That was convicting for me. Um, also, what's convicting is spending individual time with both children. You know, when you have two, you have man-to-man coverage. If you have three, you're in zone defense. Um, but, uh, you know, just spending time, I, was spending, I, I realized I was spending more time with my son than with my daughter. Because it was easier to spend more time with my son because he does things that I like to do. Shoot basketball, run around, wrestle. My daughter, you know, she's like Karen. You know, it's very delicate and pretty and, you know, wants to do girl things and play things. And I have a hard time getting into that world. It's easier for me to get in my world with my son. Dunk basketballs, talk smack, you know, push around, you know, just have fun, go swimming. So I, I, I was convicted that I'm not giving my daughter enough attention that she requires. Because if I don't give her attention now, some boy's going to give her attention later. So I was like, I don't want that. I want, I want a disciple brother to be there, but I want her to be a Christian one day. You know, when, he, when Ahaz put all these high places in and he started wanting to be relatable to the culture, um, he had to go to war with some of them because that didn't change their mind of invading them. And 120,000 men died in battle and wars because of him trying to relate to other nations. You know, there, there is a cost that you must pay if you want to be relatable to the world. There's a price you pay to be relatable to the culture. And Hezekiah, his father Ahaz, was one of the few bad kings of Judah. He didn't listen to the man in his life. And the man in, in Hezekiah's life, his father's life, Ahaz, was the prophet Isaiah. He was young. I'm sure his, Ahaz's father was old. And, and the young man was trying to tell the older king, what you're doing is not right. But he wouldn't listen. If you're an older brother in this room, and there's a younger brother that sees something in your family dynamic, do not be prideful. 
with the young. The elders who we saw over the conference said this. We didn't have elder statements. I was the older brother. I had to listen to the younger to help me with my children. John Mantle, four generations down. I didn't have anybody older. So I had to listen to all the younger. Sin is sin, and when you see it, it's obvious. It doesn't take a rocket sign. You don't have to be 55 or 10 years old to see that there's something, going, there's something wrong with a certain dynamic. You don't have to be old to realize that. Actually, the younger the people, the more, the more pure-hearted they see it going, that's not right. Our kids do that all the time. Do, am, I, am I not right? Our kids do that all the time. Daddy, shouldn't you be doing? Oh, they're right. So this is the, this is the, the context. And a big part of our prayer, a big part of our prayer is preparation. And so what happened was the Assyrian nation came to the northern part of Samaria and completely destroyed it. And then they said, hey, we're going to go down to Jerusalem now and we're going to take that as well. And the commander of the Assyrian army in your Bible, you're going to read a name called Sennacherib. That was his name. He was a commander, he was a military, powerful guy. And Sennacherib was actually used by God to punish his people as an instrument. So I'm going to show you here in, in a verse. Isaiah 10. Isaiah says to, to the people, Woe to the Assyrians, the rod of my anger, in whose hand is the club of my wrath. God decided to discipline his people because they chose the culture that he's going to give them the culture. And he came and they came and they took over Samaria and they destroyed it. And then they came to Jerusalem. And there Ahaz had passed away, and his son Hezekiah has a choice to make. What will he do? Will he be a righteous king, or will he follow the ways of his father? In your, in your Bible, in 2 Chronicles 32, my first point is this. Before you, you pray, you've got to prepare. Let's look in verse 1. After all that Hezekiah, he kind of reformed things of his father, had so faithfully done... Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to make war on Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city, and they helped him. A large force assembled and blocked all the springs in the stream that flowed through the land. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said. Then he worked hard, repairing all the broken sections of the wall and building towers on it. He built another wall outside the one and reinforced the terraces of the city of David. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. You know, here is Hezekiah who already started to make changes. He he said, I'm not going to do what my father did. I'm going I'm to change things. And sometimes, even though you're making changes, he, it's still going to come after you. When you decide to be a Christian, and you get baptized, and you say, I'm a, I'm a disciple now, it's still going to come after you. The, the world is going to come after you. Yeah. It's not going to stop. So even though he was doing some good things, here came the Assyrians. Here comes the, the pagan culture that's going to impose its will on God's people. And look what Hezekiah does. See, our nature is not to prepare. Our nature is, God, fix this right now. I'm in a jam. And we don't like preparation. 
We like, okay, God, fix it now so I don't have to do much. Hezekiah prepared his faith. He made preparations to the threats. He analyzed it. He saw it. He says, you know what? If they come, they're going to take advantage of our water. If they have water and they lay siege, they're going to starve us out. Because that's how a siege works. If you can't conquer the city, you cut off all its supplies, and then you starve them to death, and then they surrender. That was ancient warfare. He goes, I'm going to cut off their water so when they get here, they won't have water. But we'll have water. Because look what Hezekiah does. He assembles a large force, and they block the water, and they actually built a tunnel under the city of Jerusalem. And they flowed the water. And you can go there today in Jerusalem. It's called Hezekiah's Tunnel. It's a fam- and water still flows from the Gishon Spring. He outmaneuvered. He had to prepare himself for the culture invading his people. Yeah. If you've got to pray, you've got to prepare yourself. You have to prepare your faith. You have to, look what it says. It's in, in, in the earlier verse, if we, if we can go back one, one screen there, uh, Lynn, if we can go back one screen Look what it says. Hard work. It takes work to prepare yourself to really have a mindset of praying. It means, you know, sometimes you have to go somewhere, walk somewhere, climb a hill, wake up early, watch the sunrise, watch it set, go somewhere, cast some energy, think about what are your thoughts, write it down, and then prepare yourself to pray. I find that to be more effective then it's when I'm all over the place being emotional. And that's, that, that's okay too. You know, sometimes I'm just, ah, I'm just all over the place. But what it gives me fortified faith is when I, I'm thinking about what's really going on in my heart, what's, going, what's coming toward me, am I being prideful? And then I go, God, kill my pride. Help me to be humble. Help me. That's preparation. He consulted some officials. You know, when you pray, some, do you ever get advice when you pray? Hey, I, I, this is what I'm struggling with. Is there any advice you can give me? I'm, I'm going to go pray. Any advice you give me? You know, when I usually ask that question, the one word comes back fast. I'm like, I didn't want to hear that. Fast? Yes. Sometimes when you fast and pray. Yeah. You know, when I fast, I, I don't really like to pray. <laughs> I'm fasting. I'm going like, ah, every time my stomach goes, I'm going like, that's for the Lord. That's for, that's for, that's for Abishan. Abercoast. And sometimes I, I, I lack the energy to pray, the desire to pray. Because you know what? That just exposes that where am I at? Had, had I really prepared to pray? Because fasting kind of prepares you to pray. You know, when you're living your life, how much do you prepare for the challenges you're going to face? What's your preparation like? You know, Hezekiah consulted others for a strategy. Save the water supply. How much advice do you get as a Christian? How much input do you get? This is Hezekiah, one of the great kings of Israel. He got, he got a lot of advice. How much, hard, how much hard work are you willing to do to prepare yourself? How much hard work? You know, sometimes when someone's struggling, you have to take them out to pray. When someone's fighting in their marriage, you've got to take them out to pray. And that may, you may not need to pray, but you know what? You need to help them prepare to pray. Let's go out and pray. Best times of my life when brother takes me out to pray, it's been awesome. Awesome times with God. You know, Hezekiah repaired the walls 
You know, I want you to ask yourself, which part of your life needs to be repaired? You prepared the wall. Is it relationships? Is it your prayer life? Is it your reading of the Bible? You know, Romans 12, even though Hezekiah is sitting there waiting for this attack, the Bible says this, be joyful in hope. A lot of time we're miserable trying to hope. The Bible says be joyful in hope. Not, not crabby, all right? That's all we get. Not curt, not rude. We get joyful in hope. Appreciate the story Susan shared. Patient in affliction. We're going to be afflicted. Yeah. We're going to get hurt. We're going to get damaged. An arrow is going to come through your shield of faith, and it may hit you. It says also, be faithful in prayer. Because you got to pray. Pray just to make it today. Right? You've got to pray. Look at verse 6. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. You know, you need leadership in your life. You may be resistant to leadership because you think you know better. But let me encourage you to be humble. We all need leadership in our life. Without leadership, we cannot be guided by God. God does not guide those guys who think they, they don't want to be led. You need to be led. It's biblical, it's theological, it's sound. Be willing to be led. He goes, hey, I'm going to appoint officers. And look what he says in verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Where else do you hear that in the Bible? Ah, oh, Joshua, there you go. You think maybe he's referring to the quote that God told Joshua? How do you think he exactly, he, he quoted it verbatim. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh. Where did you hear that before? Jeremiah says that, didn't he? Trust in your arm and your heart will turn away from the Lord. The man who trusts in flesh will not be spiritual. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. You know, it's a powerful thing to hear some encouraging words, is it not? When you leave a brother and sister and there's just something very encouraging, they're going, that just made my day. I can do it. And I want to encourage you to point out a great quality in each other because you know what? We got memory files in our head. And Sam Lang talked about this on, uh, at the conference, is that, you know, we can have 10 good files. That was awesome, that was awesome. And then if we hear one bad thing, we're like, oh, my day's ruined. That was just awful. It could ruin our day. It could ruin us. Because we're more, we're more in touch with the bad file than with the good. We need a lot of encouragement. A lot of words that build you up and encourage you in the faith. Not, not being fake and saying, don't change. It's not what it says. He says, he says here, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Those are some pretty strong words. Do not cower. Repent of your sin. That's what he's telling them. Don't be scared. And, you know, it's interesting that his, his father got him into this mess. His dad started some, but you can change things in your family. Just because you didn't have 
Christian parents doesn't mean you can't be spiritual and have your own generation. You know, I'm so grateful I became a Christian at age 22. Because even though I forgot some devotionals, I was able to change a lot of catastrophic, dysfunctional things that I inherited as a person. You ever find yourself saying something to your children, and you're going, that's what my dad said. That didn't sound good. Yeah. Ever look at your kid and going, that's what I looked like at age five? Scared to death? That's what it looks like? Look, my son has a certain look on his face, and I know that's when I, I was a little too firm on my tone, because he has that little look that I would make. And I know this because I, was, I took a picture in, in uh, second grade, and the camera lady scared me. Because I wasn't smiling, so she got firm with me, and, I, and she snapped the picture. So it's been immortalized. And every time I look at that picture, and I see it's the exact same face that my son has when he's a little startled. And it, and it breaks my heart. Because I know what that feeling is like. I know what it's like. And so we can change our generational sin. If you, were to, if you were to think through your family tree and do a genealogy, you can find many alcoholics in my family, many wife beaters in my family, many mistresses in my family, many affairs in my family tree. But I can change that for my generation. That's the great thing about God. He can change it all. And I love that about God. So you got to pray. You didn't sound too convincing. You've got to pray just to make it today, right? Does that help when I do my little slide? Okay. I thought that would help you out. That'll help you out. Number two, you've got to stand against persecution. You've got to stand. You see, sometimes people in the background... They could be a brother today, and they could be gone tomorrow. Yep. They're just dead. They died in battle. We call them, they fell away. They left the Lord. There's casualties. Persecution has a way of deteriorating your faith. And in verse 9, let's read. Later, when Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and all his forces... Now, he had about over 200,000 men with him. And all his forces were laying siege to Lachish. That's the, a city 30 miles away. He sent his officers to Jerusalem with this message for Hezekiah, king of Judah, and for all the people of Judah who were there. This is what Zennacherib, king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing your confidence that you remain in Jerusalem under siege? When Hezekiah says... The Lord our God will save us from the hand of the king of Assyria. He is misleading you. Do not to let you die of hunger and thirst. Did not Hezekiah himself remove this God's high places and altars, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before one altar and burn sacrifices on it? He's, he's, he's challenging in their, 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 their way they worship God. Isn't he the one that says, bring down the high places and put them in one place and then have this little barbecue? Little burnt sacrifices? It's not the way we do it. Isn't he the God? Do you not know 
what I and my predecessors have done to all the people of other lands. Were the gods of those nations ever to be able to deliver them from my hand? Who of all the gods of these nations that my predecessors destroyed has been able to save his people from me? How then can your God deliver you from my hand? Now do not let Hezekiah deceive you and mislead you like this. Do not believe him. For no God of any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my predecessors. How much less will your God deliver you from my hand? Wow! He is very self-confident, is he not? Everything he says has been true, though. No one was able to stop them. He's confusing his facts with pride. Because you can be right and be prideful. You can state the facts and be arrogant. Right? This guy is questioning the faith. He's questioning the decisions that Hezekiah made. The reason why he's there is Hezekiah stopped paying him. Hey, we're not giving you homage anymore. Because early on, Ahaz had to, his father had to pay. So if you don't come to us, here's some gold. Hezekiah says, we're not doing that. That gold belongs to the Lord. And we're not giving you any more your mafioso money. And that's how I sent a corrupt. You know, if you, if you go to a loan shark and you get some money, they're going to want it back, right? This guy, this, this, was, this was warfare. And Hezekiah says, you know, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to put our trust in God to protect us from you. He says, what are you doing? That's, you, your leader's deceiving you. No one can stand against us. No one ever has been able to stand against us. He's tricking you. You know, sometimes the world likes to question how godly things are handled. Because it's so different. It's so different from how the world handles it. You know, how do we handle conflict? We get resolved. We don't go off on Facebook and post it. Right? We don't go on YouTube and rant. Right? We deal with a, a situation. Where is your confidence today? Your life may be under siege. Where is your confidence? What are you basing your confidence on? You ever thought about that question? You know, I love the way he questions Hezekiah making the right choices. Sometimes you can doubt yourself when you do something spiritual. It's hard. And you're going, did I make the right choice? Am I doing the right thing? Yeah. And you start questioning yourself going, is this the right way of doing things? Let me tell you, if it's in the word of God and you're doing it, it's the right way. I had a conversation with Sam Lang. And uh, Karen and I spoke with him and, him and Jerry for a little bit. And... Uh, you know, I used to encourage him, I said, bro, I'm amazed, you know, as you grew up in the church, that it didn't affect how your, fa your family generate, grew up as all disciples. He has four kids who are all disciples, and one of them is a minister. Uh, and I was just amazed at how he held, he goes, he goes well, it, was, it was easy for us, if it was in the word of God, we held on to it. We, that was our conviction. If it was in the word, it was our conviction. And we didn't let our, even church culture dictate what the word of God said. I was like, 
Not a boy. That's why you're at the conference teaching this, this stuff to us. Way to go. You know, the world loves to question you. The media loves to question your peers, if you're in high school or college, they like to question you. Why do you do that? Why aren't you having fun in the prime of your life? Why aren't you living it up? Why aren't you smoking drugs? Man, this is the, this is the time to experiment. This is the moment. It also could be the beginning of your catastrophic life. Give me the beginning of the end. But the culture wants you to embrace their way of thinking. And the question is, what are you basing your confidence on? You know, the commander had reason to be arrogant. He had good reason. But Assyria didn't last too long after this, as we're going to see in history. Look what the Bible says about this. This is why... You need to put on God's full armor. Then on the day of evil, when you will be able to stand strong, and when you have finished the whole fight, you will still be standing. You know, resisting the temptation is bloody. It's ugly. It's not pretty. Getting resolved with someone is ugly and not pretty. But it can be glorious. Because you're dealing with hurts. You're dealing with raw feeling. You ever get hurt by your spouse? You're going, oh, man, that's raw. Oh, man, I'm going to ruin my day. You want to talk? Oh, let's talk. You know what I've learned in my, in my, in my marriage of trying to grow in this is trying to draw out my wife. What are you feeling? What are you feeling? Tell me more. And, and it, it feels like this. That's what it feels like. When she's sharing, I'm like, ah, 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 ah. And the temptation is to take all that personally. You go, she's attacking me. It's just her feelings. A good friend of mine says, feelings aren't right or wrong. They're just feelings. So, like, so the, the, the goal is to not react to the feelings. Just draw it out, draw it out, draw it out. And the more I ask questions, the more calmer she becomes. Because she's being heard. I'm like, Proverbs 20, this is, this is glorious. It's working. And I said, now it's my turn. And I get to share. And I feel heard. And she listens. It doesn't take it so personally. And then we, we come to a, a great unity. It's been great. I'm working on that. I'm going like, man, this is awesome. Why didn't they teach me that 10 years ago? No. Point number three is now you've got to pray. Hold on. You've got to pray just to make it today. You've got to pray. Verse 16. This is a picture of Hezekiah, a portrait that he goes before God. And, and what Sennacherib, in this little picture here, Sennacherib writes a letter and, and it's sent to the king of Judah. And Hezekiah takes that letter. He goes not into the most holy places, but he goes near the temple and he lays down the letter, as we're going to see in verse 16. Sennacherib officers spoke further against the Lord, the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. The king also wrote letters insulting the Lord, the God of Israel, and saying this against him. Just as the gods of the people of the other lands did not rescue their people from my land, from my hand, 
so the God of Hezekiah will not rescue his people from my hands. Then they called out in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to terrify them and make them afraid in order to capture the city. They spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of the other peoples of the world, the work of men's hands. Let's stop there for a second. You know, the international trade language was Aramaic. That's how they spoke in that land. You went to another people, this was the common, like English is the language of our world. If you, go, if you can go to Denmark, if you go to Africa, the basis language is going to be English. It was Aramaic back then. But he speaks to God's people. He wants them to hear in Hebrew what he's saying, to intimidate them, to scare them, to frighten them. He's saying that this God is just like, a, just like the other gods we have. They're man-made gods. Verse 20. Then King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the leaders and the officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And when he went into the temple of his God, some of his sons cut him down with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hands of all others. He took care of them on every side. Many brought offerings to Jerusalem for the Lord and valuable gifts for Hezekiah, king of Judah. From then on, he was highly regarded by all nations. You know, what's interesting here is that all this was predicted that God would always save Jerusalem. And he fulfills this through Hezekiah. It's one thing to say bad stuff about God. It's another to write it down. It's, that's a pretty bold thing to do. And God did allow them to be powerful. But it made them arrogant. And you may have spiritual strength, but I want to encourage you to be careful Amen. that it's not you who's doing powerful things. It's God using you doing powerful things. Sometimes when you study the Bible, people are like, I'm making them a Christian. They're awesome. The way I said it. It's the way I said it, bro. I said it like this. You said it like this. I said it like this. That's the difference. That's why you, know, you, study, you can get arrogant. You can get prideful. You think it's you. It's your skill. It's your, it's your demeanor. It's your dynamic. It's, your, it's, your, it's how you open your word of God. Like that. See that? That's why he knows I know the word. So he's convinced. It's God. I'm just giving you my life. That's just my campus days. Oh, it's the way I said it, bro. That's why he's a Christian. No, no. It's because God. God works through you. You know, this is an amazing scene. This picture doesn't give it justice, but he's not by himself. Guess who is else there on his knees crying out to God? Isaiah the prophet. His discipleship partner. His prayer partner. His guy in his life. The same guy who was in his father's life. His dad ignored. He embraced. There they were, praying. Together. Crying out to heaven. Amazing. These men, these godly men, saw their humanity. You know, when you face a challenge that's not going to go away, you got to pray. Yeah. Just to make it today. 
You know, a good scripture, just to coincide with this, is there's a picture of the angel. This is our artist's rendition. He's mowing through the camp, killing everybody. This here is the actual prism. It's called the Taylor prism. Whenever you find something in archaeology, you get to put your name to it. So if I would have found it, it would have been the Garces prism. But this is the Taylor prism. And this is the, the, the historical account when Sennacherib went back to Assyria. He wrote a, an account of his military con. He conquered all these cities, all at Lachish, over here. And then when he got to Jerusalem, the only thing he writes about Jerusalem and Hezekiah is that I put Hezekiah in a cage like a bird. Because they laid siege to Jerusalem. But it says he never conquered it. You know, when you're, when you're a king, you're not going to write like, it was a tough go. It was, it was a tough battle there. He, they always state the, 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 only the glorious things. So true, he had Hezekiah like a, like a bird in a cage. But he couldn't take the city. And he's writing this as a historical account to show you this really happened. To show you the Bible is true. To build your faith. That when you are facing a challenge, you can trust the words of God. If it goes against your nature, trust the word of God. If it goes against your senses, trust the word of God. If it says it, live it. And then give it. Pardon the pun. I was tempted to say that. What can we learn? We can learn this. We can prepare ourselves spiritually. And we can build our faith. Just like they built the walls, they worked hard. We have to work hard in building our faith. Romans 10, verse 17, by reading the words of God. We build our faith. The second thing we see is we see a window into God responding to our prayer. Responding. And sending an angel and destroying the Assyrian army. Thirdly, we see that Hezekiah was a spiritual leader. He was a king, yet there still were challenges that he had to face with faith and prayer. Just because you're, being, you're doing well spiritually, it does not eliminate the challenges. You're just more prepared to face the challenges. One of the goals of, of our parenting is not, you cannot stop the world from hurting your children. You can't stop external things from hurting. What you can do is prepare them, though. You can prepare them for the difficulty. You can't stop them. You can't stop kids from saying mean things to your kids. I mean, you couldn't be the parent bully and go, who said that? I mean, you could do that. Probably not wise. But you can prepare them to face that. What else can you learn? We need each other. We need each other when we face challenges. Karen and I need people in our lives. You need people in your life. You can't do it alone. Don't do it alone. It's hard. It stinks. Hezekiah came to God with his friend and his mentor, Isaiah. What a cool sight. There he was. Later on, after Hezekiah dies, you know, I don't know how old Isaiah was. Isaiah was a, he lived a long time because the later kings, they put him to death. They got tired of hearing his, his, his great wisdom. The traditional view of Isaiah's death is that he got sawed in two. When you're overwhelmed by the odds of life, and that can happen tomorrow, prepare yourself. Stand firm. Pray.
Pray for clarity in your decision-making process. Get input as well. And lastly, never stop praying. Never stop praying. Because we all got to pray just to make it today. Thank you and God bless you.